0: Well, I wake up in the morning, fold my hands, and break the rain. I got a head full of ideas that are driving me insane. This
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. Let's get out to the Zone phone. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His appearance on The Big Show, brought to you as always by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group, he is David Locke. What's going on, David? much, how are you? Uh, great, you know, playoff game day is uh, is a pretty good day around here.
0: let's hope we can get them. Let's. How many more of these do you want? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I'd settle for a Minim- few.
0: Minimum is minimum is thirteen. What is a fair? What's a fair? Would you like? Minimum is thirteen. Maximum would be twenty four.
1: Or those are games, not home games, though, right? So games, right. Uh, yeah. no
0: playoff, playoff game day. You didn't? I don't think you said a home playoff game day, did
1: you? I uh, well, maybe I didn't. Good point. Um, let me think here. Well, you don't want the maximum. That's that's a lot. Uh, but the minimum, you know, we want a little back and forth, right? We want a little drama. What do you think,
2: Gordon? Right. Well, if you pick a number too high, then it would be a real slugfest. But if you pick a number that's too high, then obviously the Jazz are in business. At the end, so.
0: I mean, you got it. You can't. If you can get out of tonight at five, I don't think you get another series under six the rest of the way.
2: Yeah. So, David, speaking of tonight, what are you expecting to see? Obviously, the Grizzlies, they play hard. They play tough. The Jazz are the better team. So what happens tonight?
0: Um, I'm not in the prediction business. The odds makers have us as a nine and a half point favorite, I believe. That's pretty dominating for a playoff game. Um, I do. I think I can analyze games a little bit. So I'll do that for you. Um, I do think most of the adjustments are kind of set. Each team, when I rewatch game four, uh, has um, a, a pet play or two that I think is kind of their their go-to right now, that they've kind of figured something out on at different time, And I don't know that there's an answer on either side. So I think, you know, you're beginning to see where teams know what they're going to do. Um, I don't think there's a lot of matchup games, alterations to be played here. And I think uh, Taylor Jenkins played a pretty big card in game four when he went to Jaron Jackson at center. In Rudy Gobert minutes earlier in the series, he had avoided that, played Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark. But trying to go with uh, Jaron Jackson at center as a stretch five shooting to bother Rudy, it did not work. Um, so that was a big play. I think it's interesting to see if they go back to that. But uh, from that, that standpoint, um, I think those little things are all relevant.
1: So, David, um, I want to talk about something we brought up in the in crosstalk after Game 4, but now you've watched the game again. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. What went right against Ja Morant, particularly down the stretch?
0: Really committed to forcing him right to his right hand. Um, down the stretch.
1: Well, In general, however you want to answer it. I, I thought they played better against him defensively, and he didn't take yeah, over I mean, down the stretch. Yeah, re- I mean,
0: they were really committed to keeping him his right hand, which I think made him make an extra effort to get. He is uncomfortable going to his right hand. He wants to come right to left. Um, He almost even will, he made some nice plays going left to right in game um, three of the series. But if he starts top or right and you force him right, that's not actually his preferred deal. Um, We'll see if he adjusts today. Um, but that—that's not. I don't think he loves that. So I think that's um, – that I think Conley did a nice job of forcing him on into that. I wasn't left with much else, Jake. I'll be honest. I'm trying to think back. I watched the final fourth quarter today. You know, we're up ten with like three minutes left. It's kind of over by that point. Right. So, you know, what did the other one? I would just say. I, I thought, you know, he's playing 42 minutes a night. It's just a lot. Um, They're doing a good job of hiding him defensively, so he's not wearing out as much on that end as he was. Um, Otherwise, I don't have a lot on, like, any – yeah, I don't have – I mean, Royce O'Neal defended him more than Mike Conley. And he's not having a great series when guarded by Royce O'Neal. I think he was 2 of 9 in the game, and he's about 39 of 25 or 27 when guarded by O'Neal in the series. And Royce is big and strong enough. He can go under the pick, force him into some of those threes, and then at the same time get back in front of him and bother him. When Mike goes under, Mike's not big and tall enough to bother him after he goes under and he's working his way to the face.
2: David, Jake and I were talking earlier about how much fun it is to watch Rudy go bare when he's aggressive, whether he's taking passes from the perimeter or someone's driving and dishing to him. When he goes to the basket with authority, it is really fun to watch that kind of power. Do you expect that for tonight?
0: Well, I think Rudy plays super hard every night, so I would expect that. I didn't think that he – I didn't get the feeling he didn't do that in the first half, but I felt like there was a play early where Boyan drives the basket. They got five guys in the key. Five. You know, to some extent still, when a team wants to take Rudy out of the game, they can. And I think we took five more threes in the first half than we did in the second half and hit. Like, I think we were like 10 of 19 in the first half from three. In the second half, we, I think, got 14 threes something in that range, and like, that doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but that's actually a pretty big difference, and what that was is that, you know, they basically covered the paint. We went 10 of 19 from 3. They had to change a little bit, and that allowed Rudy to make a few more plays, and he was fabulous in the second half. I I suspect tonight that Memphis is almost going to go full circle. In the regular season, Memphis forced us to take off-the-bounce three-point shots. Isn't that a little bit in game one and then went away through it in game two. But in the regular season, if you recall, Jonas Valanciunas literally sat on the rim, Like, it was crazy. I'm not sure I'd ever seen anybody play drop to that level. And we, other than Donovan, didn't make those shots. I don't know if they'll go that extreme. But they've been playing Valanciunas close to the point of the screen for a lot of this series without a great deal of success and certainly not any success against Donovan and not any success against Mike. So I suspect that we very well could see them go back to that approach in this game and have us uh, be forced to make off the bounce threes again.
1: I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, David, but it's also asking about a different series. Uh, if slash win the Jazz close out Memphis, who, are, who will their opponent be in the second round?
0: Oh, I mean, it certainly feels like it's the Clippers at this point. Um, I do think Denver, Denver's wins were largely predicated on the fact that Denver had an unbelievable shooting games uh, at a level that was not replicable. And then I think that was not replicable. Um, Then I think from their standpoint, maybe the scariest thing was that they had a 50% shooting night in game number three and lost. Um, And so I think that, you know, I think if I'm them, that has to concern me. You shouldn't shoot 50% from three and lose an NBA game. Um, And so the fact that they did that, now you have Lucas health as an issue. Um, it feels as though it's the Clippers. I'd like him to force it to seven, um, though. Frankly, Donovan is so much better with um, time off. Without time off, I'm I'm not sure that's actually totally true.
2: David, we usually by the time we get to this point in a series, there are any surprises at all. Do do you uh, do you think we'll see anything different as far as something new tonight?
0: Um. I mean, I think that last thing I talked about, somewhat new, that you're gonna that you would have, uh, um, you would have the, those, you know, them forcing us back, drop, changing Valentunas' spot on the pick and roll. I think would be different. Um, from a Jazz standpoint, there's not a lot that I would change if I were them. Um, I think there was one lineup that Memphis played around with a little bit, which was Valentunas with four guards. So it was Valanchunas, Grayson Allen with John Morant, Desmond Bain, and D'Anthony Melton. It's a super young lineup, but it's four guards, all three of which are really good shooters. And that actually causes us a little bit of trouble. And so I'd suspect we see that again. It also gives them, if you classify Desmond Bain as a good defender, it gives them two good defenders. It does have Dylan Brooks off the floor, which is, you know, they're probably better when Dylan Brooks is on the floor. Um so keep an eye on that. Also, Kyle Anderson off the floor, which is, you know, I think Kyle Anderson's super good, but he's not a very good shooter. So uh, they played with that lineup for a little bit, which was different, and I thought was pretty good. So um, maybe, the, but you know, you can't, you're not gonna like run an extended period of time without your guys, right? So it's just not like we all talk about adjustments, and it's fun, it's fun to watch. And the you know, Jazz have done a brilliant job and how they space the floor and move guys. I mean, a lot more of that. A lot more of the adjustments is like where someone might be spaced on a pick and roll or how you're, you know, you're used to them defending and so where you're going to rotate out of and things like that. And some of the more obvious stuff to us, like personnel or starting lineups or things like that, those happen. I mean, there's the legendary Steve Kerr, uh, when Memphis was up two games to one and he takes Andrew Bogut and has him guard Tony Allen. And, you know, that's one of the great playoff adjustments of all time, but I don't, I don't see a lot of – I don't see something like that happening here. Um, and, you know, again, even the adjust, the two adjustments that I just talked about that I think Memphis would make, I can make a pretty big, good argument. They're both pretty bad ideas. <laughs> so if I was in a meeting with Taylor Jenkins and suddenly said, hey, I think we should drop the big again, cut off the drive on the rim, hug to the shooters, and force them to take off the bounce threes, I could get – you know, great, so Donovan's going to score 40. And, like, there's a chance I think Donovan's going to score 40 tonight. I think there's a chance that either Donovan's going to go huge or Rudy's going to go huge tonight. And I think that's what Memphis is going to, you know, almost force that to happen, that either the Jazz are going to get the pick and roll and be able to get the ball to Rudy, which is hard if Valanciunas is dropping, or – that they're, I think they're going to just hug our shooters and make us take off the bounce threes at the top and Jordan Clarkson, see if he gets, can get going again. And Otherwise, it's Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell have to make a, a difficult shot.
2: David, I heard you talk about this on Saturday, before Saturday's game, but for our listeners in our time slot, curious uh, your thoughts on the passing of the late great Mark Eden.
0: It's just so sad. I mean, really, that's... You know, and, and the pain I, I felt out of Phil Johnson and Thurl Bailey when I talked to him that day was so evident. Um, you know, I was, I was fortunate to know Mark. Um, I was, you know, I was, but not, not in the way that other people are. I don't want to overstate that in any way, shape, or form. Anyone who was fortunate enough to interact with Mark knows um, what was exactly that. They were fortunate enough to interact with Mark. He, uh, the comment I made to a bunch of people, Um, that I've talked to in the last few days about this was the the beautiful thing about Mark was that anytime you were talking with him, there was a sincerity to the conversation that you were having with him. He was engaged in that conversation for a guy who literally could have been looking always for his next conversation. um, You know, he was, he, he was not um, looking for the next conversation. He was engaged in your conversation uh, that's always what I was struck with about him. And when the word of his passing came across, that was actually the first thing I thought of. And when I relayed that to people, they've all kind of nodded that, yes, that's a, that's a good, um, uh, kind of characterization of him. I, I you know, the pain that was felt by those close to him, Ron Boone shared the story of calling thorough and just Thurl screaming, um, in anguish, uh, upon the news, um, you know, talking to Phil Johnson that day was just obvious how how hard a day it was. I'm driving by Mark's house literally right now, looking out on it um, where he was riding at the time. So probably appropriate. I mean, just a sad day, and a really sad day. I live in Park City, and a really sad day for the Park City community too. Not just the jazz I mean, He was certainly a part of this community, and. Skiing at Deer Valley virtually every day and just kind of knowing around town. Everybody had met Mark a few times, and uh, I think there's a sadness to that.
1: David, thanks for jumping on with us as always. We'll see you here at the arena tonight. My pleasure. Talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz.
2: So he says either Rudy or Donovan are going to go off tonight. Yeah, I could come along with that. Two stars.
1: Uh, Someone else has a big game tonight, too. What about uh, what about Joe Ingles snapping out of it a little bit? That would be different. Taking some shots. Saw Jordan have a nice game in Game 4. Royce has been consistently good throughout the series. Not an offensive, you know, juggernaut by any means. Mike Conley, terrific. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, you can say both those guys. Uh, one's going to have a monster game, probably, likely. But some other guys got to do it, too.
2: Jordan didn't shoot better than fifty percent tonight. We'll see. He was good the other night. Eight of eighteen. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, we had this discussion I yesterday. I know. And I know. Look, still- no. After I've talked with uh, with David about the, how you got to look at the three point percentage and the two point percentage and not jump to any conclusion one way or the other, I'm I'm all about uh, taking it all in. Hmm.